back in Galatians. Today, Galatians chapter 5, in a very difficult passage. Sorry, but here we are. Um, I don't know if y'all saw yesterday Henry Blackaby passed away, that you may be saying, who's that? Or you may be going, oh, that's sad. Um, For those of you who don't know who he is, Henry Blackaby, 88 years old, he was a Southern Baptist gentleman who wrote um, Experiencing God, the the curriculum. Um, Eight million people, it's thought, went through that. 75 languages the Experiencing God was translated into. Um, Did anybody go through Experiencing God by chance? Yeah, anybody? Oh, man. Good, good stuff. Um, So it's just... It's just hard to know how many just untold numbers of lives that were impacted by him. Um, a couple of lines from Experiencing God that um, always jump out when people talk about it. Um, one, and they took it, the two go together. The role of the Holy Spirit is not to bring God's presence to the world, but to reveal it. The role of the Holy Spirit is not to bring God's presence to the world, but to reveal it. In other words, God's here already. <laughs> He's here. And the Holy Spirit's role is to open our eyes to see him. But maybe his most famous idea that experiencing God was based on was that God is always at work around you. Watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. And so people who are like, well, I don't know what God's will for my life is. Or I don't know what God wants me to do. And you always say, well, just ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to see where God is at work. And then ask him to give you the faith to join God in what he's already doing. And he got that from Jesus. You remember, it was one of those times when Jesus... They wanted to kill Jesus because, you know, he had healed somebody on the wrong day of the week. And uh, they got mad. And he said, well, my father has always been at work, and now I'm, I'm at work with my father. And that's the whole point. And they were, like, all mad that he called God his father. Like, really, you're going to work on Saturday and call God your father? You need to die. So, um... That was his point. And so what I see in our text this morning is that God is truly at work all around us. And the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see how God is at work around us. But God is also at work in us. The Spirit is at work in everybody in this room this morning. When this whole debate in the book of Galatians where these legalists have come in. The the Galatians have started off well. They've heard the gospel. Jesus has died on the cross, Paul tells them. The only perfectly righteous person who ever lived, the Son of God, has come. He's lived the life you couldn't possibly live. He has died on the cross to bear the penalty for your sins, death. He's risen from the dead. He now lives to save and to declare you righteous. And the church in Galatia had believed that. 
And they had started off so well, walking with Jesus, walking by faith, walking in the power of the Spirit. And then these people had come along, these Judaizers, if you will, these, these thoroughly legalistic people, and said, well, but that's not enough. You need some Moses in your life. You need some law in your life. If you're going to be thoroughly righteous, you need to go back you need to pick up the law and you need to add that to Jesus. It's got to be Jesus plus law. And we're trying to get all the Gentiles to be circumcised like Jews and then to get them to take up this day of the week and this festival and this, put this on your calendar and don't eat this and don't eat that. And, and Paul says, once you accept the one thing, it's going to open up a door to all the other laws and Christ is just going to not be worth anything to you. And he asked them, that, that great question there in chapter 3. How did you even receive the Spirit in the first place? Did you receive the Spirit because you were such good rule keepers? Because you kept the law? Or did you receive the Spirit because you believed the promise of God and he sent the Spirit to you through faith? Right? So then why would you keep walking any other way but by faith? And so... He kept giving all of these different pictures to show them it's not law. Because if it's law, you're going to, have to, you're going to end up being in the flesh when you do that. It's going to have to be spirit. It's going to have to be promise. It's going to have to be faith. And he shows them all these different pictures of why that has to be. And then we get to chapter 5, and he starts talking about how you're going to have to live this out. What's this going to look like? If you believe this is true, what's, it going to look, what's this freedom going to look like in your lives. We saw last time, you were called to freedom, and it's not an opportunity for the flesh, it's an opportunity to love your neighbor. So this morning, we're praying for the Spirit to open our eyes to how he's at work with us, within us. And it comes down to the little bookends. We're looking at verses 16 through 26. And the passage starts and ends with a walk. Just, sorry, I can't talk about walk without doing that. I grew up in the days of yellow pages, you know, let your fingers do the walking. What are the yellow pages? Yeah, those things. Yeah, you know what those are. Um, Your walk. Keep in step, he says. But there's something even more deep going on here. He says it comes down to your desires. And desires are such a difficult thing to pay attention to, aren't they? Let's let's unpack, read this, and then we'll jump back into it. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality. It's a long list. Hang on. (laughs) Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Things like these. 
He thought he would add the J into there. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things or do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the flesh, this this part of you, this part of me, that wants to live independently of God, has desires. Okay, there's part of, there's, there's, there's something in us that says, I, I don't want to submit to God. There are desires in you like that. And he says the way to not gratify them is to walk by the Spirit, which is just a, a beautiful lesson just if we just did that verse today, right? The way to not fulfill or complete or to, the way to not accomplish the desires of the flesh is to live by or walk by the Spirit. The completion, the goal of a desire is the walk. You do what you want. That's simply the way you are wired. How do I know what you want? How do I know what I want? I watch what I do. My, my desires will come out in my walk. My wants will come out in my walk. And if you stay walking in the Spirit... There are desires of the flesh that will not be performed or carried out. So in other words, it's not, don't do the desires of the flesh, don't do the desires of the flesh, don't do the desires, don't, 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 don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. He says, just walk. Walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And then he says four. He's going he's gonna to explain this. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Spirit has desires, flesh has desires, and those desires are opposed to each other. And you want to do something, and you find yourself not doing it. And you're thinking, wait a minute, who's the you in this situation? Am I like some third party? How's this work? It's feeling crowded inside this body, isn't it? Like, I'm feeling schizophrenic all of a sudden, right? (laughs) In Romans 7... Paul says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Can anyone here resonate with that whatsoever? Right. Thank you. Okay, making sure. 
Romans 7:18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. That part of me that doesn't want to submit to God, there's nothing good in that. It, the flesh can't be improved. It's just going to be the flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right. There's this God-given thing that happened in me, this when I was transformed, when I was made new, when I was... If anyone's in Christ, it's a new creation. When I became a new creation, and the Spirit came in and gave me these new desires, this war started happening. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Paul felt this. The Apostle Paul himself. So you're in good company. There's this competing, fighting war of desires that happens in us. It's happening in me, it's happening in you. And it's expressed in the way we walk, in the way we live. There is a you that wants to walk in the Spirit, and a you that wants to live by faith, and a you that wants to live in freedom. And there is also you <laughs> that doesn't want to do that, right? Something in you. And you would think that once I had moved my life from law and flesh to faith and promise, that that would be done. Like, oh, the fight's over. No, that's what started the fight. Before that, you didn't even have a fight. There's no Holy Spirit in you. There's no fight that can happen, right? But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. <coughs> What's that, Paul? If you're led by the Spirit, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, I read this earlier, who walk not according to the flesh, according to the Spirit. I said this two weeks ago. The way to keep the law is not to keep the law. <laughs> the way to keep the law is to walk in Christ who fulfilled the law. If you have the Spirit in you, you can be sure that the Spirit is leading you and you're not under law. The Spirit, the Spirit is never just sitting there doing nothing in your life. You get that. The Spirit's just never like off in a corner of your elbow having a cup of coffee. Like, where are you, Spirit? It's a person. Back to Romans 7. Likewise, my brothers, you have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. So he's going to make two lists. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, okay? So you follow the desires of the flesh, and they come out a certain way. I just read them a moment ago. What if I just went ahead and read them? Let's, 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 let's look through my... I've got like 10 Bibles open right here. What if we just read them in a different list and make it more fun? Okay, let's do... Mm, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, as the New Living calls it, the NIV calls it, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful desires, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. 
Now, I mean, we could spend a whole day just on that list, get into the minute details of what sorcery means, right? What sexual immorality means. <coughs> Excuse me. It is interesting that you can see a categorization here, can't you? He started with sexual sins. Did you see that? Those were all first. And then kind of some at the bottom, but these sexual sins, and even, even Paul said, when you, when you join yourself to a, this harlot, you're also you're sinning against your own body, not just with her. And then there's these Godward sins, this, this sorcery, this idolatry. You're, you're worshiping something that isn't God, looking for guidance to something that isn't God. And then these sins that we commit with each other. Hostility, strife, jealousy, envy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, division, drunkenness, carousing. I don't know what category. Let's put those in. <laughs> they get their own category. He says you lose inheritance in the kingdom of God. Like you don't, you don't get to come into possession in the kingdom of God. And we, another sermon. Good gracious, there's like 73 sermons in this passage. I don't know what to do. Um, he's talked a lot about, you know, he talked about this in chapter 4. The son of the slave woman will not inherit with the son of every woman. He says you're heirs according to promise. It's taking possession. You're saying that if I got drunk, I don't go to heaven? No! Sorry, I just thought I'd let that hang out there for just a little bit. Fits of anger? Aren't these, this is an interesting list because, first of all, Colossians 3.5 says you put these things to death. Like you just keep killing them, keep killing them. But aren't, isn't it interesting that some of these things are very premeditated? Like, you've got to do some work to commit some of these sins. Like your flesh has to put this idea in your head and you've got to work to carry this out. It's several steps to commit sexual immorality in some cases. A fit of anger? Somebody just ripped that manhole cover right out from under you and you were, you were, you were committing a fit of anger and you didn't, like you didn't know what hit you. Where did that come from, Right? Envy? I don't remember being envious or getting envious. I've suddenly found myself envious, but I don't remember getting envious. Drunkenness? Okay, that was a, a several-step process, right? I don't remember the process of becoming divisive, but here I am, right? Like, these all are so different. But they all come from the same place of a flesh sinful nature, desire. And how different is the fruit of the Spirit? Again, we could invent a seven-piece sermon series, a sermon on each fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And even if we just wanted to talk about it's the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit, isn't that interesting? The flesh does works, but the Spirit bears fruit. Like, we don't produce the fruit. The Spirit produces fruit. We just get to bear it. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. 
It's as if love is the fruit and every one of these is like a slice of the fruit. It's like an orange and it's a love fruit and every one of these is a piece of the love. Joy is love rejoicing. Peace is love resting. Patience is love waiting. Kindness is love serving. Right? Gentleness is, is love being humble or empathizing with somebody. Love resisting some temptation or having a victory is self-control. Faithless, love keeping its word. Self-control, there's a doozy. There's a difference between self-control and self-in-control. You don't want yourself to be in control, but you do want self-control, right? And then he throws in this little thing at the end that is the biggest no-brainer ever. (coughs) Against such things there is no law. Oh, really? There's no law against gentleness and goodness? Thanks, Paul. But what would the legalist have been saying to the church in Galatia? If you follow Paul's way and you do away with the law, you're just going to end up becoming a bunch of lawbreakers. You can't just be willy-nilly with the Spirit. Just out here with the Spirit wind-blowing thing. Paul is saying, well, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You got any laws against those? That's what I thought, right? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the, crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Read this in Romans 8. If it's crucified, then why is it still giving me such fits? You are no longer debted to the flesh. You are no longer obligated to the flesh, Paul says in Romans 8. You do not have to do what the flesh tells you to do. You just don't. You're not the flesh's slave anymore. You can look at flesh in the eye and say, uh, no. You can look at flesh like a four-year-old and say, you ain't the boss of me, right? You're dead to me. If we live by the Spirit, so it gets back to the walking let us keep in step with the Spirit. What's the Spirit do? Spirit's loving, keep in step. Spirit's joy, keep in step. Patience, keep in step. It feels like the Spirit's running now. <laughs> keep up, yeah. Let's not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. He ends with that. Isn't that interesting? Because he says, if you live by the flesh, that's what's going to happen. That by the Spirit, there's going to be freedom to serve. Okay, I've got three, maybe four little things here just that we finish with, okay? Um, the first, I'm putting this first because I think, I think this is true. I'm going to use the Apostle Paul here. This is Dean speaking. I don't think I'm off base. I think the fruit of the Spirit would have us, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, I think love, which is a fruit of the Spirit, 
would have us look at one another I believe, as believers who want to walk in the Spirit and have more, who have desires that are more than flesh desires. Let me say that again. If I am living in love, okay, I should be able to look at you and realize that you want to live in love too. No matter how you happen to be living at the moment. And I, and I should look at you and know that you have desires in you that are more than just your flesh. If you believe in Christ like I believe in Christ and you have the Spirit in you like I have the Spirit in me, then I... What, let me put it this way. I give myself the benefit of the doubt all the time because I know... I have good intentions, even if I don't always carry them out, right? I judge myself according to my intentions, but I judge, I judge you by your actions, and I assume you don't have good intentions. I don't think love would have us do that. I think love would say, you know what? Maybe they've got better intentions than you do, right? Right? I just think that has to be kind of how we look at each other. Like, you're fighting, and I'm fighting. We're all struggling here, right? This is love, and that's the antidote to becoming conceited and provoking and envying. That's why I think... <laughs> You've heard me say this before. You've heard me say this before. That's why I think I can stand up here on a Sunday morning and Alan can stand up here on a Sunday morning. And when we open up a Bible, we can preach and in our minds, in our hearts, we can be thinking, here's the steak and not, it's time to eat your vegetables. Right? Because if the Spirit is in you, you really want the truth and you're just ready for what the Word of God says. You're not like, oh, if I have to eat it, I will. No, because I have to believe that's what you want. Because the Spirit's in you like the Spirit's in me. And truth resonates in the deep places. That's love, and that's how we have to look at each other as fellow Spirit-indwelled believers who are all in the fight internally together. Okay, number two. Um, and it goes right along with this. This doesn't ever end my goodness, when I was like 21 or 22, you know, I was being discipled by really godly people. I just really figured that I was on this trajectory where I'd be a lot better by now. <laughs> 56, are you kidding me? I'll have maybe one sin left by then. <laughs> yeah, good grief. I thought I would have arrived by this time. 56, man, that's old. At least I thought when I was 20, you know. It kind of makes me wonder what the people who discipled me, who were my age, the age that I am now, like, were they struggling? Of course they were. But I just looked at them as like the paragons of godliness. Like, man, they've got it figured out. They didn't. Boy, that's shattering, isn't it? 
So here we are. We're all capable of bad stuff, and we're all capable of amazingly wonderful stuff. And here we are. Okay, number three. Um, <clears throat> and this is kind of two things. Don't let this drive you crazy. Um, here's what I mean. I, I remember l- listening to this book about listening to the Spirit. And I got about halfway through, and I'm like, this is going to drive me nuts. Like this guy was like, yeah, I was out one day and I was going to lunch and the Holy Spirit told me to turn left and go to a different restaurant. I was like, ah, oh my word. You know, I just found myself like, wait a minute, did God just tell me to go right? Did he just, did he just tell me to order a different drink? Does he just, I can't, see, I can't, some people, man, I guess they're good at that, but me, it just drove me up a wall. <laughs> That's, I put the wrong socks on, you know, just, Wrong shoes. Just, it just did not lead me to peace. Let me anxiety. On the other hand, it's very, you have competing desires going on inside of you. And what I find in my life What I find is, is that it's very, very hard. Whenever people have encouraged me to do this, I'm just like, who do you think I am? <laughs> do you know who I am? When people say, Dean, you need to slow down and pay attention to your desires. What do I look like? Some guy sitting on top of a mountain with a long white beard? I mean, come on. But it's so true. It's so true. Like, why did you just do that? Like, what were you really hoping for? What were you really desiring in that moment? Like, when you wake up in the morning, what are you you desiring? When you picked up your phone for the umpteenth time, what were you desiring? When you were in the middle of a difficult conversation and it went sideways, how can I look back on that and go, okay, what what was my heart after in that moment that made me respond in a flesh way instead of a spirit way. Like it takes some serious intentional slowing down to really think about your desires. But in this text, you have desires of the flesh against desires of the spirit. And that's that's hard to figure out. But it's, it's... beautifully encouraging to me that the Holy Spirit wants to go that deep in my life. Like, it isn't just the Holy Spirit wants to help me do good stuff. The Holy Spirit wants to help me desire good things. That's deep. That's deep. Like, the Holy Spirit wants to help me to desire to be patient when that lady has no idea how self-checkout works at Kroger and she's got 57 things in her buggy. It's like, what are you doing here? See, I get impatient just when you're talking about it. It's like, okay, what is it that I'm desiring in this moment? Like, why do I need to be out here so fast? Can I go help her, teach her how this works? It's like, like, what is it? What's going on in here right now that I'm so impatient over this lady, right? 
the first fear is patience. Okay, so what's, what's going on right now? Right, what's, what's going on that I'm, that I'm not feeling kind, that I'm not feeling like a service moment? Why was I harsh? Why was I sarcastic instead of being gentle? Why was I so quick to defend myself instead of like being meek right there? Right? Just, my goodness, there's so many questions to ask. But that's how deep the spirit wants to go, right? So, a slowing down of sorts. But not the kind of anxiety where you're just like walking through your day going, was that the spirit? Was that the spirit? Ah, right. You see what I'm saying? There's a balance there. So I'll finish with this one. Um, just this the idea of, you've heard the, the term feed the spirit. <coughs> I'm not sure if that's the right term for it because the spirit's not necessarily hungry, but. Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put on Jesus. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. In other words, don't even give the flesh an open door. Okay. That requires as much slowing down as listening to your desires. So, just, just maybe ask yourself these questions. Jot this down like... Are there times of the day when I'm more susceptible to temptation? Are there places? Are there people I'm with? Right? Are there moods? When I'm just more susceptible to fulfilling the desires of the flesh. So then maybe at that time of day, I'll find something different to do. Right? I'll, I'll sit somewhere different or go somewhere different or just get up and move and do something different. You get tired. Man, does the flesh knock on your door when you're tired? Hungry? <laughs> yeah. There's an unholy trinity, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world and the flesh are after your desires. Like, the world wants you to want certain things. And the spirit wants you to want certain things. So we have to figure it out. As incredible as Super Bowl commercials are, like, let's get real. We're watching it for the commercials, right? It's like one of my favorite bands has one of my favorite songs playing in a Kawasaki commercial tonight. I'm just really excited about that, right? It's just, yes. But it's like they want me to desire something. Everywhere I look, something's playing on my want-tos. Um, but listen, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The desires of the Spirit are stronger than that. Boy, there's, I could just keep going. Um, so much, so much. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh.
Those who live more in the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The minds on the flesh is death. You follow that fleshly desire, it's going to take you to a bad place. You'll start seeing things die. Start walking in the desire of the Spirit. You'll find life. You'll find peace. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this text. Thanks for being in us. Thanks for working so deeply. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you'd help us pay attention. Just pay attention. Slow down a little bit. Review. (laughs) What did I want? What is it I want here? Why was I not gentle? Why was I impatient? Why did I have no self-control in that moment? Lord God, could you be any more for us than to put your spirit in us? Like, that your spirit would give us want-tos? That's incredible. That is just incredible. So help us to delight ourselves in you and find you giving us the desires of our hearts. And may your fruit be produced in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Sunday Morning at Creekside Church in Spring, Texas. We're glad you joined us. For more information, please check out our website at www.mycreeksidechurch.org.